0: Hello, welcome. You're listening to Feed, Play, Love, a bite-sized parenting podcast, a place you can find advice, understanding and support as you care for your small humans. I'm Siobhan Hunt. Having children can be a costly affair. It's surprising how the importance of work can take a backseat once you look into those dark newborn eyes. Many families will take a hit with one income disappearing in the first few weeks and months, Others may find the impact is longer after they realise that they want or need to change their working hours to suit family life. But Lacey Filipich argues that what we should be aiming for is financial independence. That is, not needing a wage to survive, therefore giving you back the freedom to choose what to do with your time. Her book is called Money School, the same name of her business that she founded with her mother. Lacey joins us now. Hi, Lacey. How are you? I'm wonderful. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. Now, not needing a wage to survive sounds like a fairly radical idea, uh, something perhaps people think only those from very rich families can dream of. Is it a radical idea? I do think it is quite
1: radical because it's not commonly talked about. I think most of us expect to spend 40, 50 years working, trying to buy our own home, put a little bit aside, have some superannuation, maybe retire on a pension. That's the normal way of life. And I think we've grown to expect that end of life retirement idea. But there is an alternative, as you talked about. It's this idea of becoming financially independent. So you get to choose how you spend your time. Now, the thing about that is the sooner you do it, the sooner you have that choice. And there are hundreds of thousands of people around the world who do follow this idea. And they save hard and then they invest in assets. And then sometime it can be some people do it as early as their 20s. Some people get there later in life. My mum, for example, didn't start doing this until she was 49 got to financial independence at 63 but still two years ahead of the retirement age the sooner you do it the sooner you get that freedom and there are more and more people doing it younger and younger okay because i was listening to that going oh i've missed the boat you have not you have not (laughs) missed the boat at all i always point people to my mum fran like she did start at 49 and there are people who start later than that and even if you do start later getting your money stuff into a better shape is going to be less stress for you going to mean a more comfortable retirement. So even if you don't get to full
0: financial independence, whatever that looks like for you, there's no harm in trying. Okay. So I imagine that most people with young children probably feel that they're kind of under a financial rock in that sense. So I know, particularly when my kids were small and we didn't have a regular income, we didn't know what was happening with our money, the thought of being able to make any choices with our finances seemed impossible because we were just surviving. What do you say to people that are in that situation?
1: Well, the first thing I would say is exactly the same as my mother experienced at that point. So she was a single parent, from about 40, raising two girls. When there's not much money around, please don't beat yourself up about not being able to save and invest. That's okay. It's it's not a case of you must do it at all costs. There will be times when it's too hard. There will be times when you don't have spare cash and when managing your money is like a survival skill and that is okay. The thing is to think about when you do get to a point where you have a bit more freedom, so the kids might be earning some pocket money or maybe they're starting to get part-time jobs or moving out of home, could take you a decade, you know, might be a while. But (laughs) when that comes around, that's the time to start thinking about it. That's certainly what happened for my mum. When she was 49, I was 17, my sister was 15. We were starting to get part-time jobs and pay for ourselves a bit. So she finally had some spare money, also getting a pay increase. But if you're finding money's tight, don't beat yourself up over it. But this is why it's important to think about it before you get to that point. So before you get to the point of, hey, we're going to have kids and we know we're going to change our income or, hey, I'm going to go start a business and take a lot of risk. Before that, you want to have yourself set up a bit financially if you can. And the earlier you do it, the easier it's
0: going to be for you when those big life changes come around. Which, if we can look at your example for a moment, mm-hmm. um, you did start quite young, yeah. which meant that you were financially independent by the time you had your first child. Mm-hmm. How did you achieve that? Yeah, it sounds amazing, doesn't it? It sounds amazing. I'm like like going, if only that solves so many problems. I know, and you know,
1: this is this is the ovarian lottery, as we talk about. Warren Buffett's famous for that saying. I was fortunate to be born to parents in a great society, in a nice country where I can earn an income, and I had financial education from my parents. I realise that I am very fortunate to have had that. But them having taught me about it young meant I started saving when I was young. So from the age of 10, I saved half of every dollar I've ever earned. Wow. It's just automatic for me now. So if I was earning $60,000 a year, in my head, that's 30000 Like straight up, that's how I think. It's just become an ingrained habit. And I'm quite cheap to run. I don't
0: <laughs> I don't like lots of fancy stuff. Can I just stuff. say, when you said that, when Lacey said that, she gestured from her head to her toes. I don't, you're not actually making the point to me there. But oh, okay. Explain.
1: Yeah, so I guess to explain, um, this dress I'm wearing is 12 years old. Um, I My makeup, I buy, like, I think I've bought $100 worth of makeup in the last 10 years. You know, things like that. I just don't buy things. I've stopped in recent years because I sort of see money as this resource and if I don't really need something, I don't. It's like having, you know, your water or your electricity. If you don't need to use it, you turn off the light switch and you turn the tap off. I'm the same with money. I don't just frivolously spend it. I used to a lot more. Um, it's just become a bit more of a habit because I think of it as a resource. But because I don't need a lot of cash to live and I can live quite frugally and I maintain that sense of living like a student, even today, and people will laugh when they – I live in a nice suburb, but um, – most of my furniture is from curbside collection. Like (laughs) there's lots of fantastic tables and chairs that get thrown out because I don't care about that stuff. There are other things that I do care about. I want nice food. I want good holidays. I want nice quality time. So there are things I spend on, but because those costs are small in comparison to what I save, I could put a lot of that saving into assets. And so the first property I bought at 19 was the beginning of financial independence for me. And I was in my second year of uni. And my lecturers and my fellow students thought I was insane. They were saying, why would you buy a property? You are nuts. And um, it turned out cheaper than having a share room. So, wow. I know, it's amazing. So, the, the mortgage was about $110 a week and I could rent out the second room for $90 a week. It was a tiny little apartment, like 50 square metres, all brown. It was ugly, really ugly. <laughs> um, I'm really lucky that my father's a builder and could help me like, paint some of it <laughs> and tile the floors. That was very helpful. But with even the electricity and the water, it worked out to about $40 a week for me. And if I'd wanted a share room, it would have been $100 a week. So it actually worked out cheaper. Wow. Yeah. Which I think people, um, if they think they're going to have their own house and they've got to cover the whole mortgage themselves, that's quite daunting. But if you're willing to Share, which you usually are when you're younger. Like, I wouldn't do it now <laughs> <laughs> yes. unless I had to. Yes. I mean, I'm sharing with my offspring, but that's okay. <laughs> you don't uh, have a
0: choice about yeah, that. Yeah, no,
1: you're stuck with those words. Good <laughs> thing they're cute. But that's an option, right? And yep. that brings that cost down. But because I got in before a property boom in Brisbane, this was like 2001, and I just happened to get in a couple of years ahead of a boom, and the extra equity meant that I could buy more properties and all my saving that I was doing when I was earning an actual wage then instead of just a university part time wage when I finally got into work. I could put a lot of that into assets and so that's what I did. Every couple of years I bought a property and then I got interested in shares when I was 25 because my company had a share scheme and that's when I started learning about that. So I kind of did it backwards. I think a lot of people (laughs) these days tend to learn about shares first. I learned about property first by, by doing it and then learned about shares and then so now I like both. Uh, types of assets. I I enjoy both,
0: but yeah, I've just kept investing and that's how I got here. That is so fascinating on so many levels. Um, But I'd go back to the point that you were saying that you live quite frugally. And once you have more money, if you've got this idea in your head, you don't just go off and spend it. Because I think what happened to my husband and myself, or actually I should just speak for myself because (laughs) he doesn't spend money like I do. We were tight, tight, tight. Then All of a sudden, it wasn't as hard. My son started school this year, so we don't have as many costs with childcare. Oh, yeah. Um, And also, we both have a steady income now, which we actually didn't have when the kids were small. Mm. And so, for us, we came into this phase of going, oh, my goodness, we have money that we can buy things with. And so... You know, the clothing, my wardrobe is very full now. Uh, <laughs> I would see things and you're right, I didn't think it was it's actually a little bit like when um when my babies were small, my first daughter in particular, and I'd be breastfeeding at three AM and see a cute shirt for her and go, Oh, I'll get that. When really I thought that money could have been spent better had I put it aside and paid for someone like a doula. Yeah, and right. that kind of gets to the heart of your argument is using money to buy yourself time. Mm, exactly. And I think you talked about when you've got your
1: kids, you suddenly have that that value. It might not have been there in the past. And so there's the nothing quite brings it home like coming home to your kids and going, "Oh, I wish I'd had more time with you today or whatever." That experience of when you have your your kids when they're young and you have that Low certainty about your income is really common for people. Often they've gone from having two incomes to one, or you know the maternity leave pays out and you're done. What am I doing now? You know I have to <laughs> yes, go back to work. Yeah, you know those kinds of things. It's a naturally stressful period. But the same thing happens that, that transition you talked about um, when you finally now have some surety and you can relax a bit. That actually happens a lot when people finish university and get their first wage as well, and it's a natural thing. Our brains see the money and they go spend, spend. <laughs> and the reason why your brain wants you to do that is it wants the chemicals that feel good so spending just like exercise and drugs and sex gives you a hit it's it's something your your body wants you to do so you're perfectly normal if you do that because you get a kick and if you've ever had buyer's regret you know that feeling of your border and you go why did I buy that And yes. you felt good at the time that's that biochemistry and unfortunately we have to fight against our brains to overcome that <laughs> and it's really frustrating so the trick I think is outwitting your brain hide the money have your savings in a place where you can't see it, have mm-hmm. it transfer automatically, hide your account, don't connect it to any cards, and then whatever's left you can spend. You can spend with impunity. You can feel okay about it. If you want to do something that you think's maybe a bit frivolous but it feels okay, if you've got the money in your spending account – Go for it and don't beat yourself up because you've already done the saving. When you leave the saving for what's left over, it rarely happens because there's very rarely anything left
0: over because our bodies
1: go, spend me, spend me. Um, Yeah, they're really annoying like
0: that. (laughs) It's interesting about the dopamine hit because I I definitely get that. Mm. Uh, But I was saying to a colleague the other day, there were a few shoe sales on and I saw a pair of gold boots that were half price. (gasps) Wow. And I put them in my put them in my shopping cart and then I went Do I need it? We got already got boots. Can I afford it? No, no, no. And so I took it out of the cart. Look at you. I know. And this well happened twice in one week, but I actually I reckon I can feel my brain rewiring. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? Because I that feeling of that dopamine hit. I got this I used to get that satisfaction when I would buy things, but then actually <laughs> being able to go, well done you for being an adult, Siobhan. <laughs> that actually made me feel pretty good too. And yeah, I was like, it's awesome. a different kind of reward if you can have that perspective. Yeah, exactly. And if it's for a reason. Yeah.
1: And you've got that, that dangling carrot. Yeah. Hey, there's something worth doing this for. And I think if you can get that concept, particularly people who are waste conscious, um, consumer conscious that kind of thing this fits really well with that because it is it's about money as a resource how can I use it most effectively and particularly when we're thinking about teaching our kids about money that that idea of we don't waste and if you start embodying it, it does feel good. It's really yeah. good that you get a buzz now. And I think it's awesome that that's happening. And for people who, um, it's like building a habit, like going to the gym, like eating well, that kind of stuff. The more you can do at the beginning to automate it so you take away the choices, the better. But if it starts to feel good, then awesome, you're on the right track.
0: Yeah, let's just, it's only twice. So we'll oh, mate, see how we go. It. You're on now. That's <laughs> it, it's started. I think you're on a winner. Everybody follow me, keep the pressure on. Um, <laughs> one of the things you argue is that it, you feel that this allowed you and your husband to co-parent well. Can you tell us how that worked?
1: Yes. Yeah, so first of all, I'll just let you know that having the ability for my husband to take time off work and for me to take time off work and alternate that didn't mean there was no stress in our lives. He and I nearly got divorced in 2017. I say that a little bit jokingly, but we were about ready to like, it should have been a dream. It should have been amazing. He was off work for a year. I was working flexibly. We had two young kids. It should have been so much fun, but it created Huge amounts of stress because there was, well, what are you doing? And you haven't brushed their teeth the way I think it should be done. You know, silly things like that. So I'm not going to say that it's going to fix everything. But what it does is give you choice. So for example, my husband's been able to take he took a year off in two thousand and seventeen. He's nine months into another mini retirement we call them at the moment, because our kids are little. And we had this sort of discussion about would you rather take time off when they're young or when they're older and we figure they like us at the moment. So <laughs> yeah. we'll, yes. we'll take the time off when they're little, because that's a bit it's a reward for us. You know, they're fun at this age. You know, my kids are four and six at the moment and they're just it's a great age, you it know, they're a bit more independent. Age. So having that choice is lovely. What it's really given. as a relationship is we've both got a deep appreciation for each side of the story now so because he's been the person at home making the sandwiches doing all the washing making sure bedtimes followed been the guy in charge and I've been the one who swans in occasionally like hi honey what's for dinner um and we've we've switched that a couple of times because I had 18 months by myself at home with my first daughter where I was hi honey you're home I have you know you we we weren't exactly 1950s but it was quite (laughs) traditional you know like yes yes, you're working full-time so I will take care of all this stuff um That's been really good to appreciate both sides. The reason we had that tension in 2017 was that we hadn't talked about expectations, and I felt he was doing all the fun stuff and leaving all the really boring, menial crap to me. (laughs) Yes, that would cause tension. Yeah, so um, he went back to work in 2018 and then this time when he wanted to resign in May last year we could have the discussion about what's a much more equal share and I notice now I feel like maybe I'm adulting a bit better that we're negotiating a lot better it's a lot lower stress and having that flexibility and that choice has meant we have much more appreciation for what goes into it and we also have I feel like we've got strong relationships with our kids. It doesn't feel like they always run to me. In fact, at the moment they run to dad first, which I kind of have my moment
0: of Ooh, But um it's okay. <laughs> <Of course. laughs> you wouldn't be a mum if you didn't.
1: Yeah, I know. We're gonna feel guilty for everything, so you may as well. But um it's it's <laughs> one of those one of those things. It's nice to see that he feels like he hasn't missed out. So a lot of his friends go. How did you manage this? Like they 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 think he is living in heaven, and he goes. By the way, it's like having two full time jobs because he's tired, you know. Because that's what kids are. Yes, it's tiring. He's got so much more appreciation now for when he would come home and I would be like, the house is a mess, but I don't care. I'm alive. The yeah. child is alive. <laughs> you know that sort of stuff is <laughs> is really nice. That I feel like it doesn't matter who's in the chair at the moment. You're much more compassionate about yes. what you're going through.
0: I absolutely. I think difference. that is the key. I know. Just tangentially to the to the money thing, and you have to be in a financial position to do this. Absolutely, but I think the key to co-parenting is that each parent has to do a minimum of three months full time. I reckon that's you can't a just boss. say I'm going to take over on the weekends. No, 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 no. Yeah. That is the fun time for children. <laughs> the yeah. non-fun time is getting them ready in the morning to get out the door to <sighs> a play date to daycare. And doing all that stuff.
1: Exactly. And the relentless nature of it. Yes. I wasn't prepared for it. So much of it is monotonous and boring but high consequence if you get it wrong. Yes. You know, like you're doing the same thing 600 times but the one time you do it wrong is the time they fall off the table and break <laughs> an arm. You
0: know, that sort of thing. Yes. So I shouldn't laugh. That does happen. Yeah. It, yeah. yeah, But, you know,
1: it's just it, – it's it feels – and you, you're looking after another human being, so your brain is so consumed. And you're right; if you don't have a few months in that, you just don't appreciate the fatigue that that brings on, the mental strain of just keeping another human being alive. It's uh, you've yes. made a really good point, and the boredom, yeah, that can, that
0: can come. Let's well, it honest.
1: does. Oh, totally. The reason why I've ended up having my business is my mum moved over to Perth when my my daughter was eighteen months old. She said, I can hear you're bored. You need to do some work. I'm here so that you can, you know, feel oh, like you can do some work. Bless mum. Yeah, no, she's really. Yeah, this is they're very. Lottery. I am spoiled spoiled rotten um, <laughs> I love her for it and I'm deeply appreciative but it is that you know you see people i i've got plenty of mum friends who financially it might not make sense right now because the husband earns a lot more money, but you can see they need some kind of mental stimulation and it's so hard to get it when you've got the daily routine that you got to get through.
0: Yeah, exactly. Well, you don't have time for it. Yeah. So, what top tips would you leave with parents with small children about how they can still aspire to becoming financially independent? You, you did mention at the beginning, look, don't stress about it if you don't have any spare cash to put aside. What would you leave them with, just to think about, if they're not in a position position to do it right now? I think people think it's
1: this big thing that you make this huge decision and life has to change and I've got to change everything I do with my money now. And that's not really the case. You can do lots of little things. So talking about that saving habit, if you can set up an automatic transfer and it's only $10 a week at the moment to that savings account, at least it's something. You're getting the habit going. When there's more money available, you can transfer more to that savings. You can increase the amount. So don't think it's got to be this huge revolution. And also don't think that it has to be I talked about the analogy before about when you change your diet, when you change your exercise, it's this daily habit. We want to try and take that out of the mental stress when you're parenting. The more you can automate, the better. If you're on a salary and you can get your payroll to send money off to that savings account without you having to even look at it, do it. One less thing to think about. If you've got the saving habit going, you can learn about all the investing stuff later. You can decide whether you like property or shares or bonds or whether you just want cash that pays interest. You can decide later, but the saving's the first thing. So I think if if you're time poor at the moment or you've got too much going on in your life, just focus on how you can get that saving habit going. Worry about the amount later as you get settled in and then you can learn about investing when you're ready and you have the mental space to do so.
0: And if they do want to learn, Lacey, is that in your book, Money School?
1: Yeah. So I've tried to make it like a choose-your-own-adventure story rather than a recipe. So rather than saying, I love hey, that, <laughs> that
0: you've used such an exciting title for finances, <laughs> which I would, you know, choose-your-own-adventure.
1: Yay! Yeah. Finances. Yeah, no, it does sound incongruous, but... I, of course, I get excited about this <laughs> stuff. I'm one of those nerds, but that's okay. I wanted people to know about the different options. So in the book, I go through, here's how property works. Here's how shares work. Here's how bonds work. And the idea is that you need to decide for yourself. So you and I will have totally different investing profiles. Even my husband and I invest differently. There's no right answer and one size fits all. So I think if people are curious to learn about how these things work, the book's a great place to start because it's an overview. And then when you've had to think about what might fit for your life – for your personality for your risk-taking appetite for sleeping well at night you know not stressing about things then you can dive into a bit more detail and there's some great free tools out there for example the asx share market game if you've never traded shares before go get a virtual fifty thousand dollars and have a play cost you your email address that's it you know so there's some things like that you can do to find out what you like and then get into the detail on those once you've decided
0: Oh, lovely. Now, I don't like finance, but I like listening to you, so I figure it's worth a shot. Lacey, (laughs) thank you so much for coming in. Thanks for having me. That's Lacey Filipich. She's the author and founder of Money School, and I'll put links to where you can get her book in the notes of this episode. Feed, Play, Love is a babyology podcast produced and presented by me, Siobhan Hunt. I'd love to hear from you, so if you'd like to get in touch